I'll open in uh, the pre-sermon with prayer, but I would ask you all to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, as we go over today a very familiar passage of Scripture, but a very relevant one today. Father God, again, we humble ourselves before you, and and Lord, we come to you, my prayer is that we come to you with open ears, with eyes to see, with ears to hear, and with hearts to understand what it is you would say to us today. And Lord, I pray that the word is brought to the edifying and benefit of all the hearers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've heard me teach on this before. Uh, We're going to be going over what is commonly called the parable of the prodigal son. But today it's the parable of the good, good father. Now, to preface it today, the parable of the prodigal son is, if you go all the way back to the very beginning of the, of the chapter, it is one of a series of parables that Jesus shared with his followers about lost items being found. One was a lost sheep. One was a lost coin. And then the third and longest one was a lost son. And one of the common threads throughout these stories, I think it it evokes a question that is a relevant one for all of us because Jesus was asking, what, basically he's asking, what would you do to find something valuable to you that has been lost. If a sheep got lost in that day and time, something precious had been lost, and there was little that the person who owned the sheep wouldn't do to redeem that sheep. We know how precious money is. Our economy can't go on without it. I tell you what, you, you lose a $20 bill, you know, you're going to take some time to try and find it. And if you wouldn't, I want to know you because you're in a different tax bracket than I am. I'll tell you another thing, my keys. Those things end up lost more than I care to say. And without your keys, I mean, all this stuff, my house keys, my car keys, my church keys, they're all lumped together. Maybe I need to rethink that. But when one key is lost, a whole bunch of keys are lost, and now I'm stuck, and I really got to find those things or else I am struggling for the rest of the day. So there's motivation for me to find that. But, but I, can't, I can't ignore the thing that prompted him to tell these parables 
Jesus was just spending time. He's spending time with people who are not walking with God. He's spending time with people who are not saved, people who are looked down upon by the Pharisees and the religious establishment. And and the Pharisees have made it known how they feel about it. And they're upset that this man of God is spending time with these people of ill repute. And that prompted Jesus to tell these stories. And in these stories, he's intending to convey the heart of God. You might feel a certain type of way about these people, but these parables that I'm about to tell you will tell you how God feels about these people. And isn't that what really matters? Isn't that what should matter to God's people in the church? It's the heart of God. And if the world is to see God for who he is, then he needs to see him expressed through his people in truth. The heart of God needs to be conveyed in and through the people of God. And so that brings us to verse 11. And we'll read through it here. And like I said, I'm not going to spend as much time on the son, either son. They'll get some time, but they won't be the primary focus. I want our attention to be on the father today. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants? Okay, I I was hoping that wasn't me. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. I don't want to go to verse 20 uh, just yet. But, and that's verse 20 is when we're going to engage, when we're going to see how the father engaged him. But I just will say, as a parent, as a father of my own, I often think when I read that passage, how the father would have felt in this situation. Because the father is rejected by the son in this situation. And the father can't help but have a wounded heart. So we have a father with a wounded heart, 
A son asked for his portion of the inheritance, and I don't know how the conversation went, but he said not many days later, he packs up and leaves. So now, whether that was obvious at the beginning when they first had their conversation or not, when he first asked for his portion of the inheritance, it became obvious eventually that that was just a precursor to him leaving and doing his own thing. And he goes to a far country. So he doesn't want anything to do with his dad. He doesn't want his dad's authority or influence in his life. He has decided he's going to run his own life. And it said he engaged in reckless living. So he basically rejected everything his father was about, even his way of life. And we get so focused on the behavior of the son that what can get lost to us is the father and how he's processing this and what he's going through. This father can't help but be wounded and hurt. He wants good for his son. Everything he did for his son was intended for his son's good, and yet his son blatantly turned away from him and went far enough away from him that the dad can't even monitor him and keep up with what's going on. You know, the dad's got to be wondering how his son is faring because his son is in a different country. I just, felt, I just felt it important to point that out because everything we see from the father that's going to proceed beginning in verse 20 came from a father who was offended and wounded by this son that has decided he's going to turn and go back to him. Now think about how we typically respond when someone has offended or wounded us. And how likely we would be to welcome them with a completely open heart and open arms and, you know, and and not be uh, condemning and judgmental and angry and vindictive towards them. This is a wounded father that this son is coming back to. One who has suffered great offense from the son's actions. Just be mindful of that. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But, everybody say but. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I don't want to just get past all that because it's, it's, it's worth It demands that we linger here for a second. Remember I said this was a father that got offended and wounded by his son? I have some of the best children a dad could have, and yet I have been offended and wounded by my children. Not as much as by my wife, but but that's a different story. Love you, sweetheart. No, I, I, I have the most awesome wife. God's really blessed with her. I love you, baby. No, but when you're in relationship with people, 
being in relationship, it, it, it pretty much, you're going to have baked into it, there's going to be offense and there's going to be wounding in it. We're going to have to accept that and get our minds around it. The, the issue isn't if it's going to happen, it's what we are to do when it happens. And we see what God would do, because the Father represents God in this story. We see in this story what God does, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do, despite all the times we may have wounded him, despite all the times we may have grieved him, despite all the times we may have disobeyed him and rejected because we were so upset and frustrated, we rejected what we know to be true in God's word and acted in the flesh. Because that's what we wanted to do. And then we know we can 1 John 1, 9 it. Confess our sins and he'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we bake that in and we do what we know God doesn't want us to do. How many of you know that doesn't please God? That wounds him. It doesn't change his love for us because his love for us, it transcends our performance. All right, this, this prodigal son didn't deserve mercy. He didn't deserve grace. He didn't deserve love. He didn't deserve full, he didn't deserve acceptance. And yet he got all of those things from his father. And so I just want to lovingly challenge and correct us today to on too many occasions way too many occasions we justify behavior that scripture clearly calls sin that it's a clear violation of God's commandment but we justify it because if we think if we're right on the facts we give ourselves license to be wrong in attitude. Are you hearing me? Amen. We're going to talk about that later. The brother was right on the facts, but he was wrong in the spirit because he had a heart that didn't honor God. He didn't have a heart that reflected the God of his salvation, and he had a heart that was contrary to his father. And he's looking at him with judgment. Everything he said about the brother may have been true, but it didn't justify the heart attitude that the brother had. Right? And I want to see if that is us in any way, and it can be us on any day, right? If that is us in any way, I want us to be convicted by that. Right? I want that to produce a godly sorrow that leads us to repentance so that we can honor God, not just with our words, but in our heart, in our attitude, in the way that we view people and are willing to engage people, that we can see them as God sees them and we can truly be his ambassadors to them without the filter of our own attitudes and flesh getting in the way. Do you hear me? So this guy, he turns around. Now, the dad doesn't know that he's like fully repentant. He doesn't know how humble he is. All he knows is that he sees him walking back towards home. He's coming home. 
Think about this. I mean, the boy or young man, whatever his age is, he's trying to lay his heart bare and confess everything. And the dad is just steamrolling right past it because he, all he cares about is my boy is back. He doesn't say, oh, look at you. You look bad and you smell worse. You've made a mess of your life and you've embarrassed the family. None of that stuff. This dude was working with pigs in the pig slop. He had to be rank. Who knows how long it had been since he'd had a bath. Clothes are worn and tattered. And yet he's got a dad. It says that he was just lavishing him with kisses and hugs. He didn't care how bad his clothes were tattered. He didn't care how bad he looked, how bad he smelled. All he cared was his boy. And he didn't wait for his boy to get to the house. As soon as he saw him, he said he saw him afar off and his dad sprinted, sprinted to him. You know, I read something that I'm going to share. This is not something that uh, came from me, so uh, I can't name the author or anything right now. But, uh, but I read the reference that just think anybody who's ever grown up in a small community. I come from a town called Waxahachie, and everybody knows everybody, right? Whatever business there is to know, it's known. You may be able to keep it discreet for a while, but it's not staying that way, right? And so there is no way that the community did not know what had transpired between the father and the son. And just imagine once word had spread, the prodigal son has returned, how much negative uh, attitude, how much harassing, how much... Uh, you know, people could have given him a whole lot of attitude, offended on behalf of his son, especially in that community. You did not disrespect your father. But you know what? The dad, and I don't know, I can't say for sure that this is why he did it. I, I just know the love of the father just drove him and compelled him to go out there and meet his son when he was afar off. But the fact that he did it, covered his son with protection from whatever attitude the community might have given him. Because the dad went out to the edge of town, right in full view of anybody who was watching. You can't tell. By the time people found out that the kid was back, you couldn't tell the story without saying the dad's already embraced him and accepted him. Right? And in that is a shielding from what the community might have given him in offense or attitude on behalf of the father. And just think about that. And the father spares him additional embarrassment and judgment by going out and meeting him the way that he did. And remember, this is the heart of our God being represented by the father in this story. Uh, he, he already said what he said, Father. 
Uh, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, huh, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive. He's, he was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, this older son was in, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. You know, that tells me he started celebrating right away. He didn't even say, hey, go get, go get my other son and bring the friends. He just started having a celebration. The, 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 the older son didn't even have a chance to find out what was going on until the celebration was going on. So he didn't hesitate to start the celebration festivities. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe. And sound, that's the priority of the father, right? But he, the brother, was angry and refused to go in. And that tells me he's harbored judgment against his brother the whole time. He's offended on behalf of his dad. This brother is a good, this brother is a good son. He would never leave his father. He's been faithful to his father, but he's become guilty of that sin of comparison. Right? Now, I've not left that one dead. I'm faithful to the dad. He rejected the dad. Right? I'm here being the dutiful son. He has been the one that went out and selfishly wasted dad's resources on riotous living. Reckless living, with a lascivious living, depending on the translation, it's not good living. And so he's upset. And then what and then what happens? He's upset. Oh, you've never killed a fatty calf for me. You didn't celebrate my faithfulness, but now you're gonna celebrate the return of this unfaithful son. That's not right. That's not fair. Right? And when we start comparing one another, that's when we begin to go off the rails. And, and that's when we get into anger and that wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. And so we have to keep the priority, the heart of God, if we're going to represent him, if we're going to really uh, warrant wearing the name of Christ. Are y'all hearing me today? Amen. All right, so he was angry. And again, if we see any of ourselves in this, then the question is, God, what, what do you want me to do with this? Because I'm convicted and I need to yield this because I, I don't want to be in disobedience to you in attitude. See, I can be obedient to you in the way that I... Uh, conduct my life in certain areas, but I can be rebellious to you when it comes to my blatant disregard for certain people that I hold judgments against. Blatant disregard of your word and what you call me to 
because I just can't get over what that person has said or done. But I'm telling you, God is calling us to a greater love than that. Right? He didn't just say love your family or your friends. He said love your enemies. He didn't just say pray for those who matter to you, but pray for those who despitefully misuse you. He didn't just say honor your good Christian bosses, but he also said the ones who are harsh and unbelieving that you should still honor them and do your work as unto the Lord. Because it's him who's directing your life. It's him whose heart you should always aim to please. It's him whom you represent in the world. Jesus' prayer, they are to be in the world, but not of it. They're in the world to represent you, God. And when the world see us, what image of God are we projecting? And that's a, that's a question we need to answer ourselves. Are we doing the best we can to be true ambassadors of God? Not giving our own personal attitude in the name of him, but reflecting his character, his traits, his love, his attitude as he enables us to the world. I long for a day when people are asking the kinds of questions of how it is, how is it that you were able to continue to love me when everybody else turns their back on me? How is it that you are willing to continue to engage me when people have been done with me and told me I'm not worth the trouble? How is it that you're able to forgive me despite how many times I have wronged you over and over again? And that elicits a, a response that can't help but exalt the Lord because apart from him, we could not do it. That's God's will for us and how we are to effectively engage the world. Amen? Amen. So he refused to go in, and he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, the son of, but when this son of yours, he didn't even say, but when my brother. No, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf from him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. It's, it's interesting how we can word things to justify our attitudes even against God. It's hard not to say the man has a point when he says, look, I've never disobeyed. Where's the reward for my faithfulness? I've never disobeyed. And, and, and don't, this is intentional. I've never disobeyed. And yet you have not killed the fatten, you, you've not even killed the goat for me and my friends, but you go real big and kill the calf for him. If anybody deserved the calf, it would have been me. But you ain't so much as kill a goat for me and my friends. 
And when you put it in the context that he put it, faithfulness versus sinful living, if you put it in that context apart from the heart of God, it seems obvious what's right, what's fair, what's just. But Scripture tells us in Proverbs, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. See, it's really not about us. I didn't get any amens on that, but I'm going to say it again. It's really not about us. Right? We, we make too many things about us, and, and we're going to have to humble ourselves before God. Lean not on your own understanding, right? Your own judgment, your own sense of fairness and justice. Lean not on that, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Okay, God, I got to acknowledge you may be working in this in a way that I don't understand. And you're God. So I can argue, fight, resist, squirm. I can do all this or I can just yield and just trust God in this and let God direct me in accordance with how he is working. I don't have to understand it for him to lead me in accordance with how he is working. I just have to be yielded to God and go how he wants me to go. Right? And I want to encourage you that way. You don't have to have the answers. It doesn't have to fully make sense to you. The, sometimes the worst thing you can do is go in your own understanding when you don't know everything. You don't know how God is working. You don't know the heart of individuals. And you're going on your own understanding. There, you set yourself up a possible error. But you can never go wrong if you remind yourself of God's heart toward us. Amen. You never, it, it, especially when you're comparing self against someone else and, and you're, you know, you got an attitude towards someone and, and, and you need to, uh, and you're not looking at that person in light of God's heart toward them. You're looking at that person in light of your perspective about them. Well, we need to check our perspective and we need to yield to God and ask God to deal with us, either confirm it or deal with it. If we're in any way have an art attitude like that big brother, then we want to give that to God, right? We want to give that to God. Like I said, where was the big brother wrong? Factually, was he wrong or correct? Right? He was factually correct. And yet his hard attitude toward his brother was wrong. Totally different from the father. And I find it interesting. The brother How do I want to say it? The brother was not the offended party. The father was. And and think about it. The father can forgive. But the son can't. That, that, that's how it can be. And we need, to make, we need to understand the nonsensicalness of that when we as representatives of the Lord can't find it in our hearts, right, to have compassion 
to love or to forgive people that our Heavenly Father forgives. Amen? And I'm not saying endorsing sin. You can love people and still remember Jesus, Jesus delivered a woman from the death penalty who was caught in adultery. And then after he did it, said, go and sin no more. But we don't want to be uh, we don't want to engage in the nonsense of our holding bitterness and unforgiveness toward people that it is the heart of our Father to forgive and be in relationship with. If they reject the Lord and they end up not with their names not in the land's book of life and they end up in the final judgment being in the lake of fire, we want it to be because they rejected every opportunity they were given every loving opportunity for them to receive the salvation of the Lord, we want it to be on them. We don't want it to be on us. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. So what, what have we observed of the Father here that I started off mentioning his wounded heart. This was a wounded father who didn't have any trouble at all embracing his son who had wounded him when he returned. Now, it's important for me to say that this was a repentant son. It was a repentant son. But I also have to point out, daddy didn't know that for sure when daddy ran out there to meet him. (laughs) Right? This was a repentant son. Now, and you may, you may not be walking with the Lord. I want you to know that this parable is letting you know that the door is wide open. God's door is wide open for you to come to him. If you've never known him, the love that this father displays toward his blatantly disrespectful and disobedient son is the same love that God has for you today. If you once were walking with God and you turned away from him and you've been living recklessly and you're probably ashamed about that right now and you're wondering, I don't know if you're here today or if you're listening online, wherever you're at, I want you to know that just like when this guy came to himself and went back to his father thinking that he had ruined any chance of of restoring that father-son relationship. He just came back wanting a job. But that father couldn't see him for anything other than what he was. To the father, he was his son. He was going to always be his son. And there was always going to be a place in his heart. For his son, no matter how much that son may have wounded him. So if you've walked away from God, I want you to know the door is wide open for you to walk back. Right? He is patiently waiting. That's another thing. This this dad obviously was patiently waiting, hoping for the return of his son. Uh, 
I don't think you see your son afar off coming down the same road that he left. You know, how many days, how many years had that son been gone? And the one day he returns, the dad just happens to be looking down the road. That tells me he may have looked every day that that kid was gone. He was looking down that road, patiently waiting and hoping that would be the day that he returned. That's how much he wanted him back, despite the way he had wounded him. It means he wanted the one who wounded him, he wanted him back. And this, this other thing that I will say is something that I think a lot of people need to hear or something that I needed to hear when I was buck wild and doing my own thing. By him, by that father doing what he did, patiently waiting, looking down that path every day. And once he finally saw him, you know, well, before he even came, the fact that he did that in his heart, that's that father saying, not only do I hope he returns, but he's saying, I'm not giving up on you. You're too precious to me. I'm not quitting. I'm never going to stop hoping for you to return. I love you too much. I'm not giving up on you. And I would imagine there are a number, there's there's so many people, probably an innumerable amount that needs, that's yearning for someone to say, I'm not giving up on you. I'm here for the long haul. That's what God is saying to us. Even in our imperfect state, even in our immaturity, even in as we are wounding him, he's not giving up on us. He's not giving up on you. He has not given up on you, and he will never give up on you. Amen? His door is open, and today my prayer is that if you've walked away from him and you haven't made that decision to come back to him or if you've never known him, my prayer is today that you will walk through that door because it's not cracked open. It's wide open. It's never locked. The invitation is always there. That's how much he loves you. And the father's actions, like I said, he ran out and met him when he was a far way off and he began to hug him and kiss him, told him to bring the best robe the ring, kill the fatty calf, all of that stuff. Even though the prodigal son was already repentant, but even before he asked for forgiveness, he was already forgiven. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you see that in that story, but I think that if you, re- if you read it after this, it will be confirmed to your heart. That, that dad doesn't run out there and embrace him and kiss him if he hadn't already forgiven him. He didn't elicit those humble comments from his son. His son offered those. And the son 
didn't expect forgiveness because he said, I just need a job. I'm not coming as your son. I'm coming as a man who needs a job. You've done that for many guys. You have lots of employees who are down and out and needed a job. I'm just coming as one of those guys now. And the dad was like, no, you're my son. So you might beat yourself up. You may think you're the worst person in the world. You may think that what you've done, uh, God may never fully trust you again (laughs) or, or his heart may never fully be open to you again because that would be how you would be if someone were to do to you what you've done to God. But don't, let's not pull God down low to what human be, to what our human behavior would be. Let's remind ourselves of who he has presented himself to be in his word. And he welcomed him home. So the wounded father waited patiently on his son, watching for his return every day, never giving up on him. And then he welcomed him home, showering him in hugs and kisses and a lavish celebration. So the parable of the good, good father, as we're calling it today, is an example of how God, of how quickly God forgives us. When we come to ourselves and humble, him, humble ourselves before him, how quickly and how abundantly he forgives us, and he celebrates that. As I alluded to earlier, the beginning of these parables, Jesus was talking about a lost sheep, a lost coin. Stories that that pretty much exemplified the lengths people would go to to find lost items of value. Jesus' life reminds me as I think about those things of what God was willing to do to find his lost children. It expresses God's great love for everyone and his insatiable desire for us to be saved and in right relationship with him. We may hold grudges or withhold forgiveness and relationship toward those we deem undeserving, but we follow a savior who chose love and relationship with sinners. And I say that in the context of John 3:16 and 17 say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's God's heart, the salvation of the world. And Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God shows his love for us 
and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need to remind ourselves of that. We were still sinners when Christ died for us. Redemption came through what he did on the cross for us. And there's going to be some times when we're going to have to love people who are not right with God. And part of the process is we're going to have to not give up on them. And we're going to have to be vessels of honor being used by God to, be, to play our part in the turning of their heart to where they humble themselves and give their hearts to Christ. I mean, it's awesome that be that one that closes, closes the deal where you just minister the gospel and they receive it. But oftentimes it's a process of perseverance, overcoming offense, and woundedness, sticking to it because we serve a God that doesn't give up and sticks to it and overcomes woundedness and hurt and offense and sticks to it until the day they finally come to themselves and repent and receive the salvation of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So when when we remember how much God loves and cares for us, despite what we've done, I hope it reminds us that he's called us to do the same. To love our neighbors. To love our enemies. To love people we disagree with. The outcasts of society that that's easy, you know, for people to uh, to uh, to put down and and justify certain uh, attitudes towards. God's called us to care for them. We show others God's love when we treat them with dignity and respect. And by being willing to forgive them before they even ask for it. I know it's great when we get asked. It's like, well, how can I forgive? They haven't even asked for it. You know what? They need to answer to that before God. They need to get to a point where they humble themselves and ask for your forgiveness. But we are not demanded or commanded to wait for them to ask for it in order for us to issue forgiveness to them. We have been forgiven. God has called us to be forgivers. Amen? So it's a plus if you get asked, but if you don't get asked, you still ought to be obeying God, pleasing the heart of God by choosing to forgive, even that one who hasn't asked for it. Are you hearing me? That's, that's when we're showing God's love. We'd be doing that just as the good father forgave his son before he even had a chance to ask his father for forgiveness. I said it earlier in the message, and I'm going to say it again now. One thing is clear in this passage. Many things are, but this one thing is clear. God always leaves the door wide open for sinners to come back home. 
We can be mad at them. We can be done with them. We can choose that route. But if we're going to represent God, we've got to acknowledge the fact that God always leaves the door wide open for sinners to come back home. And if we can remember the heart of God, then prayerfully and hopefully that can help dictate our actions and how we choose to behave, how we choose to think about those individuals and how we choose to behave before God and them. I think if we remind ourselves of God's heart towards them, then uh, that will go a long way towards reining us in and keeping us walking in obedience and faithfulness to God. So the father started off wounded and rejected, patiently waited, never giving up. And when his son finally came around, he welcomed him. Not with just a welcome home, he lavishly welcomed him. Hugs, kisses, and a humongous celebration. So God lavishly celebrates when his prodigal children come home. And the final thing I will say, and then I'll close in prayer, uh, a point of application. We honor God's love for us when we love and welcome, I guess, the prodigals or, or, or the, those who are outside of right relationship with God, when we love and welcome them into God's family, and when we forgive those who hurt us with their words and their actions, we're actually honoring God's love for us. Like I said, it's not just about us. When we do this, when we honor God in this way, when we forgive those who have hurt us or wounded us, even if they don't ask us for it, we're honoring God's love for us. Because if you're anything like me, I do not fail to ask God for forgiveness of things that I am aware that I have done. But there were things I were walking in that I did not know I needed to ask forgiveness for until a certain point when God started to deal with me in that way. That meant until I came to the knowledge of that, that that was offensive to God, I was walking in that almost every day and yet God was forgiving me all those days even though I didn't even know to ask him for forgiveness but when the time came for him to deal with me so that that could be uh, taken out of my life and I could be free from that God dealt with it and he healed me he delivered me got it out of my life so that I can move on with him and so he's not asking us to do anything that he himself doesn't do for us on a daily basis. Again, 
We have a good, good father. On Father's Day, I want to honor not only our earthly fathers, I want to honor our heavenly father. Because he is the epitome of fatherhood. He is the perfect representation of what a father is and what uh, a godly father looks like. Amen? And so your dad might not have measured up, but I tell you what, honor your dad as unto the Lord because he's a father that has measured up. You may be a dad that you feel like you have fallen well short, and maybe you have. Maybe you have. I would encourage you to do what you can to make it right. Own up to it. Own up to your mistakes. Humble yourself before your, 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 your wife and children, and, and just commit to doing better. Commit to walking in obedience to God. And commit to aspiring to be the, uh, the, re the reflection of a godly father that God has called you to be. And there's space for falling short, but the, what matters is what is your aim? What are you aspiring for? What are you, what, you know, what are you striving for? Are you striving to obey what God has called you to? Are you reaching for it? If you fall short, dust yourself off, get back up, get back on the horse, and keep on going. God's grace and love is there for you. It's not, a, it's not about perfection. It's about your pursuit. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And uh, just bow your heads with me. And again, I'm not intimately familiar with everyone's relationship with God here and, and where you stand with him. But I want you to know that if, if you have never given your heart to Jesus, if you have not expressed faith in him, I want you to know the door is wide open for you. He's been patiently waiting for you. He has never given up on you. He's waiting to shower you with hugs and kisses. He's waiting to put the signet ring and the robe on you and to lavishly celebrate your coming to him. Because you were lost and now you'll be found. He wants you to go from death to life. You're why Jesus went to the cross. And that door has swung open wide. Will you walk through it? Will you humble yourself before God and repent? I also want to talk to that person who 
maybe grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you used to go to church, but for one reason or another, maybe you lost a loved one that really meant a lot to you and you prayed to God and God didn't heal that person and that person died and And you've been sideways with God ever since. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home and they were too strict and like, like the prodigal son decided that, you know what, I need, to, I need some space to spread my wings. I need to go out there and experience life. There's so much they're depriving me of. And then you go out and you find out in a real world sense. that you weren't being deprived, you were being protected. And the shame of it makes you think that you can't go back because you should have known better. I want you to know that that's a lie from the pit of hell. The heart of God explodes for you with love and acceptance, forgiveness, Restoration. Reconciliation. Don't let your shame deprive you of the love and acceptance and relationship that God desires with you. The door is swung wide open for you too. You just need to make that decision. Walk back down that path. Repent and come to the Lord. And so if that's you in any way, then as I pray, then I just pray that you would join me in this prayer. And maybe you can talk with me afterwards if so that you can share a testimony of what God has done. Regardless of what the reason was, if you need to repent and get right with the Lord right now, then just pray with me. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I've gone my own way. I've rejected you and your word of truth. But Heavenly Father, I repent. I lay down my own ways and my own will and my own direction for my life. I lay it down and I repent and I embrace your will for my life, your direction for my life. I acknowledge that salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone and that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and that he rose again on the third day proving that he is the Messiah 
that he is the one to take away the sin of the whole world. And I trust in Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior, to direct my life, He is my Lord and my King. From this day forth and forever, Lord, I shall endeavor to walk in obedience to you. Be a disciple of Christ Jesus and an ambassador. For you. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for keeping the door of your heart always open for me. And for receiving me back. By grace. Through faith. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. If if you join me in that prayer and, and, and you meant it, and I'd certainly love to know that you made that profession of faith and that you have either come to faith in Christ for the first time or you have recommitted to go back into relationship, right relationship with God. And so on this Father's Day, uh, I want you fathers and families to enjoy it, have a wonderful time. Uh, I pray God's blessings on you abundantly, but I just want to remind you to honor our Father, the Father we all have in common, the Heavenly Father. Uh, remember his great love for you. Um, and let's do all that we can not to wound him, but to honor him, represent him well in the earth, and uh, so that that love of God that we have come to know can be realized by those who are still walking in darkness, and they can get the pleasure of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. I love you guys. You guys have a wonderful rest of your Father's Day weekend.